Good morning. My name is Alex. Our scripture passage comes from the book of Acts, chapter 26, verses 24 to 32 from the Common English Bible. Dear God, I pray that our hearts and minds would be open as we read this passage. At this point in Paul's defense, Festus declared with a loud voice, You've lost your mind, Paul. Too much learning is driving you mad. But Paul replied, I'm not mad, most honorable Festus. I'm speaking what is sound and true. King Agrippa knows about these things, and I have been speaking openly to him. I'm certain that none of these things have escaped his attention. This didn't happen secretly or in some out-of-the-way place. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Agrippa said to Paul, are you trying to convince me that in such a short time you've made me a Christian? Paul responded, whether it is a short or a long time, I pray to God that not only you but also all who are listening to me today will become like me except for these chains. The king stood up as did the governor Bernice and those sitting with them. As they left, they were saying to each other, this man is doing nothing that deserves death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been released if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. All the time. God is good. All the time. Amen. Amen. This is worthless. No. Stay. Don't break my laptop. Uh, man, I think the heat is getting to my mind and my brain. Uh, I don't know what's going on. But this is a... Uh, we're continuing in our Acts series and uh, the Spirit-Infused Multi-Ethnic Church. And today's sermon I've entitled, The Power to Change. And this is coming from Acts 26, 24 through 32. And I want to start off with a question. And this is directed to the children in the house. Raise your hand if you're a kid. Woo! What? And you can hit the next slide. What is your favorite battery-operated toy? You guys still use batteries these days? I don't know. <laughs> Your favorite, maybe it's solar powered. You can just shout it out. It the, what? Remote control car. Remote control car, yes. Huh? Drum. Drums? No. <laughs> drones, yes. <laughs> not these kind of drones, but flying drones, right? <laughs> Definitely did not have that growing up. Any other, any other toys? In the back of there, toys. Well, I've got some toys. Uh, I was a kid in the 70s and 80s. Uh, but some of you may remember this. Simon, right? I think Simon's still around. There's modernized versions. But Simon, it's like basically Simon says, and it gets faster and faster. And you have to follow the pattern in which lights uh, light up. Um, and then here's the big track. Remember the big track? Big track, I think there are 16 different combinations you can plug in and it'll do those uh, commands in sequence. And then operation, right? You can actually pull bones or things out of that guy, but if you 
move your hand too much, it'll touch the metal on the side and it'll go, his nose will go, um, and then, I don't know if you remember this, but the uh, land speeder from Star Wars, but this is the sonic controlled one. So the sound from R2-D2 would trigger the uh, motor of the um, sand land speeder to go. But, you know, it always seemed like whenever I found these toys, maybe I, you know, I had to follow my dad to different churches when he was guest speaking or to go to church and stay there all day while he works and meets people. Sometimes you'd find these toys, but there were never batteries in them or they were always broken. The remote control car was awesome and I'd want to play with it and there was no remote control or you know, you, we didn't have those D batteries available. And so and that, toys like this, battery powered toys, never seemed to work. You know, and I had all of these, like, dreams of, you know, I wish I had a drone in my day, but there are no such drones. But power, right? Power. Sometimes there's never power when we need it. There's never thing to power um, the toys that we want to play with. Uh, in our situation, we're breaking records right now, right, with the, with the heat. And uh, yesterday I was playing some Ultimate Frisbee at 2 o'clock. I don't know why we were playing at 2 o'clock in the heat of the day, but uh, a person I was playing with got a message on their text from their apartment complex that said, oh, our AC just broke down. Sorry. So it's like, what? <laughs> he was, he's like, I just, I wouldn't have come here and played in this heat if I knew that the AC was broken down. Like, I have to go back to hotter. Um, and then you know, we, we just got uh, purchased, uh, uh, ordered a new refrigerator because our current one, the freezer is getting warmer and warmer. So the popsicles, Cammy's popsicles are all melting, the ice cream is melting, and it's hot, and we're like, and we looked at the order, like the delivery date, and it's in August. So we're like, what? We need a new fridge now. Like, we can't take this, right? Like, and I'm trying to, you know, unplug it and plug it in again. Like, what's going on? Maybe I need to clean some coils or something in it. But power, like things that we need, things that um, are necessity, run on power, AC, refrigerators. And power is very important. And it's really bad when you don't have power. When you don't have that power in your life and you, you're used to it, you take it for granted, and when it's gone, um, you can't, it just messes with your life, right? It messes with your life. And in our passage today, in Paul's defense before Agrippa and Bernice, if you remember last week, Festus is continuing to kick the can down the road, not wanting to deal with Oh, here's a Roman citizen who's appealing to Caesar, and yet the Jewish religious leaders are, wanting, are conspiring to kill him. How do we get through this rock in a hard place? And the solution is, don't make a decision. Just kick the ro- uh, can down the road. Meanwhile, Paul has been stuck, incarcerated in jail for two years, just awaiting trial, just waiting some, awaiting some sort of decision And we talked about how it's not enough to just kick the can down the road and just wait 
when other people are suffering, when, you know, just injustice is happening. But it's really important for us as the church to speak up, um, to, uh, to advocate for people, to speak on behalf of people. Amen? And so Paul, has, in chapter 26, is now giving his defense and a few things about his defense, it's similar to his other defenses. He kind of makes the same points. Uh, one of which is, you know, I was, the, it's the Jewish people who are after me, the Jewish religious elite. I was a part of the religious elite, right? I, I was a Pharisee. I was the Pharisee of all Pharisees. I was zealous. I persecuted Christians. Right? I knew all of the law of Moses and the prophets. I studied that and I followed all of that to a T. So that's, that's uh, defense number one. That's his argument number one. Secondly, the second point, he's appealing to Agrippa. And actually, something to know about Agrippa that's different than Festus is Agrippa grew up knowing the law and the prophets. He, he knew very accurately the Jewish faith. Right? And, and, he, and he followed it. So Paul appealing to his, appeals to his knowledge several times um, in this passage. And one of the things he says is, is it so hard? Right? Reading the law and the prophets and kind of the miracles and love and grace and power of God. Is it so hard to believe that God can raise the dead? Right? Would, would you put limits on God being able to raise someone from the dead? And, and that's kind of the point, you know, the point of conflict, right? Jesus died and was raised from the dead. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees would argue about that because the Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. But the bigger question is, did Jesus raise from the dead, and is Jesus God? Is Jesus the Messiah that was prophesied? And so Paul is appealing to this, like, is it so hard to believe that Jesus raised from the dead, and he's the, the coming Messiah? Is that so hard to believe? And remember in the Gospels, Lazarus, right? Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And the word of that, the news of that spread all over, right? This, this miracle. And actually, uh, in John, that's the impetus for uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees to want to kill. It just raised the heat. They wanted to get Jesus after learning, after the news of Lazarus came out because it was controversial because it's a revelation of God's power, right? And if you're... If you're a politician or you're just after worldly power and used to dealing with that kind of power but not really experiencing the power of God, the Holy Spirit in your life, you probably feel threatened, right? Remember when uh, Magdiel was preaching about, not Festus, Felix, right? Uh, and Paul speaks truth to him. What does it say? I mean... It was probably, it probably convicted Felix, but it said Felix didn't, didn't follow up after that because he was afraid of how, because it was so true, it cut to the heart. And he, 
he's, it's like, this is going to bring too much change in my life. This is going to like, you know, if I really follow up on this truth, it will turn my life upside down. So forget about it. I'm just going to avoid it altogether. And so there are two types of responses to the power of God or true transformative power um, in our life. And one is, like Felix, to be afraid, right? I'm just going to avoid this because what are the implications? If Jesus truly is the Son of God, is the Messiah, what would this mean in my life? And so I'm going to run right? It's the Jonah effect, right? I'm going to run because I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not going to listen to God because I'm afraid and it's too much pain. It's too much comfort. And I think in our nation, we're wrestling with that right now, right? Oftentimes, the truth is too disruptive for us. The truth is too true. It would mean discomfort. It would mean leaving our sense of comfort. Take History, for example. Like, that's the big thing right now is what's going on in history? How do we look back at the history of our country and learn from it or not learn from it? And I think one of the things that's happening is that there's fear about really looking at our history. And we know, we teach our children when you go to history class, it's so we can learn about our past mistakes and not repeat them, right? It's to learn about uh, what went wrong in the past so we can not repeat history, right? And, and a lot of times, because we are used to being comfortable, because we are used to being winners, because we're used to saying we're the best, it's oftentimes hard to look back and see flaws. And we think... What would it mean if the people that were my heroes or my parents, you know, the people who raised me were flawed, right? Growing up, I idealized my father. He's not here yet, so I could go off, right? I idealized my father. He was a pastor. He could do no wrong. He's righteous in every way. Everything he said, I obeyed because it was true. He could fix a car. He could build a house. He's the best father in the world. And it's not until college that you're like, oh, maybe my parents, you know, my dad is, you know, there's some flaws. And I, you know, I started to argue with him and talk back to him on the phone when I was in college. Um, there was definitely a change in the relationship. But I used to let my father win in chess and like different sports because I was afraid of beating him. Right? But what is that fear? Like, if something is not perfect, does it mean that thing is not worthwhile anymore? And I see that in our nation. It's like, no, everything is, must be perfect. Don't disrupt the, our forefathers and the way our history. Don't disrupt it. It can't, there can't be that, negative, that negativity. Because right? what would it mean for us now? But, you know... It's been said, the unexamined life is not worth living, right? It's not about living the perfect life and maintaining some facade of a, of, a, of a past that never existed. It's actually, as Christians, we believe that the Holy Spirit confronts us, right? 
that we are to look inside our hearts, look at our, our past, look at our brokenness, look at our family of origins, really look at our lives and examine our hearts and repent and confess because, not because God wants to then say, ha, 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 I'm going to punish you. I'm going to crush you. You weren't perfect. But because God wants to change us with real power. Amen? Amen. And we know that change happens all the time. Change, there's one thing that doesn't change, right? Change itself. Life, we're constantly transitioning. Our lives are constantly changing. This year, we've had to adapt and change in so many ways, right? Kids, right? We couldn't see our friends. We couldn't play with our friends. And for those of you who had to do school online, it's like, oh. We all had to change. We all, some of us had to work from home. Some of us had to, some of us had to live with our dads like 24-7 at home and got tired of our fathers. Like, that's my kids, right? Change is a constant. And yet, many of us believe in things like people never change, right? You can't teach an old dog new tricks, right? We are really skeptical whether or not people who have a certain character or have, have done this or done that in the past can actually change. I can't change the way I eat, right? I can't change whether I exercise regularly or not. I can't change whether I'm a jerk to my wife or not, right? People don't change. I am what I am. That's just Dave being Dave. Let Dave be Dave, right? And so on the one side, change is constant, and it's always happening. On the other side, do we really believe in true transformation? Do we believe that souls can be changed, that lives can be transformed, that people can convert, right? And turn their lives around. And so when you look at Paul's defense before Agrippa, what happens? In verse 24, at this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind. You are out of your mind. You know what? You've been reading too many books, right? You're too learned, and it's driving you insane. Your ideas are crazy, right? The ideas about Jesus resurrecting the Messiah is here and, you know, the fulfillment of the law and the prophets and all of these miracles happening. You're contextualizing all of this in the name of Jesus. You're insane. And Paul's response is, I'm not insane, most excellent Festus. Little jam, most excellent what I'm saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of his, this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Right? He's appealing to the belief system, the foundation of the scriptures, that both of them share. King Agrippa, I know you know the prophets. I know that you notice, you know what I'm talking about. And I know you know it's a possibility. That it's a possibility. What does Agrippa say in verse 28? 
Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Right? Change doesn't happen that fast, right? You can't get me right away. You can't persuade me that fast. I just think about that. It's the same thing. It's the same thing that Paul said before. Is it beyond God to raise Pete someone from the dead? If God can raise someone from the dead, couldn't he change you, right? Persuade you right now to change your, your, your paradigm, your convictions, the way that you approach Scripture? But see, Agrippa is still in the same mode as Festus is. Basically, Festus is f- focusing on his ideas, right? Paul, you're too learned. Like, you got all these fancy talk, whatever, whatever, you're crazy. And Agrippa is the same thing. You can't convince me with words and ideas. You can't convince me with your learning. At least not in 30 seconds or less. <laughs> right? It's too soon. Change happens long after time. After you've convinced me with your arguments in my mind, then maybe I'll slowly start to change. But you can't make me a Christian in such a short of a time. And remember, Paul has just shared his testimony, right? The road to Damascus, right? Paul just said, I was a Pharisee that persecuted Christians. I was the meanest of all Pharisees. I was the most zealous of all Pharisees. And one evening on the road to Damascus, I was blinded, right? Jesus spoke to me and gave me a total turn my life completely around. Yeah, Paul or Saul was persuaded immediately, right? And we know we've heard conversion stories. You know, I used to go to like those Billy Graham crusades and, you know, retreats where altar call was made and people would raise their hands, I want to become a Christian now and go to the altar. I want to become a Christian. Yeah. And I was always skeptical, right? Even though I'm a pastor's kid and should believe in all those things, I was like, no, that can't happen. They're faking it somehow, right? Or people raising their hands while worshiping. They're not feeling anything. They're faking it or something. Like, how can, that, how can something really be going on inside? I, I don't really believe that God is doing it. I don't really believe people are becoming a Christian. They just, I don't know, everyone else is doing it. So it's peer pressure. But God changes lives. As we are a part of the kingdom of heaven, right? The God has the power to change, amen? God has the power to change. Not only did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, but people who were feeling dead inside were given new life. People who did not have words to speak when they were touched by Jesus, were praising God and giving joy. People who could not walk since their youth were walking, right, again. And we think, oh, that's Jesus. That's in Jesus' time. It's Bible times. That doesn't happen now, right? There's not real, like, you know, the the real intense, right, miracles. Miracles happen 
God has the power to change. The Holy Spirit is moving even now in this church, in this room, in our hearts, in our lives, in the lives of your loved ones, in the lives of your siblings, your brothers, your sisters, your mothers, your fathers, your friends, your co-workers, the, the people that you're praying for daily, like, God, please touch them. God, please persuade them. God is working. The Holy Spirit is moving, and we need to believe that there is power to change. As Christians, we believe in change. We believe in transformation. We believe in lives turning around. So we need to step into that and receive that. And the other message, the other good news gospel message for us personally, what are the places in your life where you felt dead? Where are the places in your life where you feel despair? Like, man, that hasn't been, I haven't been excited for that for a long time. Or I don't have the energy or motivation to do that anymore. Or God can't change that relationship. It's just the patterns are too set in. It's just, that's just the way it is. I just have to deal with that person the way I deal. But you can't, God can't really change that. The good news is God has the power to change. The Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit, ask, pray to come into whatever situation you are, to come into your heart. Right? Whatever hard thing, mountain, insurmountable mountain is happening at work, at school, in your own home, with your relatives, in your health, in your finances, we all have mountains, right? We all have things, you know, when I worry about things, I tend to avoid them. I'm a procrastinator. I, I do say it does not exist. I'm a, you know, I live in denial until it smacks me over the head. Now, oh, maybe I should deal with that. <laughs> God can move that mountain. Um, Twenty-nine. Paul replied, "Short time or long, I pray to God that only you, that not only you but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for the chains." The king arose, and with him the governor and Bernice and those sitting with him. Them, after they left the room, they began saying to one another, "This man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment." Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar, right? Their minds are still on the technicalities, right? If only Paul hadn't said, I appealed to Caesar, then we could have just set him free. Well, you could have set him free two years ago. <laughs> like, come on. Um, and they can find, and the same thing, this man is innocent. We can't find anything to convict them of. So they're still on the kind of the worldly things, the, the technical things. When Paul is saying, I pray for you. I pray that God will make you like me. And not only you, but everyone in this room who's listening to me. 
I pray that God will change your lives. Man, isn't that awesome? To have godly eyes, to have spiritual eyes, that in the midst of the daily world and everything that comes with it, all the rules and all the obstacles and all like the, the uh, cynicism, there's a lot of cynicism in our world, that we can have eyes to see how God sees other people in our lives. Amen? That God, you know, there, like C.S. Lewis said, there's no mere mortal, right? There's, when you look at someone, your neighbor, they're not a mere mortal. They're, they're souls, right? They're loved and marked by God, and God is calling them and working on their, their lives. And so when we speak and we act and we relate, you know, be as Paul and, and speak love, speak transformation, speak hope, speak life into people's lives. This is a big thing for me. I know that when I'm grumpy, I'm good with words, you know, that I can tear down people, you know, whether it's that cashier that I'm impatient with, you know, at the grocery store or the jerk who cuts me off in the middle of the road. Like, I can tear them down with my words. And our words or our actions have the ability to speak death to people or an act of love or a kind word can speak life into someone's life, even a stranger. Amen? So may we speak life, hope, and transformation in the way we live and the way we love and the way we speak to our neighbors. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is real, that your power is real and at work today in modern times. You are working miracles and you are working to transform and change people. And we see this in the book of Acts and we see this in Paul's words pleading, right? Pleading before the authorities, wanting them to see this power, to understand this power, to accept this power. And may we as followers of Jesus uh, continue to reflect and be witnesses and light to your true power, the power to change. In Jesus' name, amen.